0: This episode is sponsored by Be Magical Handmade. We Black Conjure everything over here. Be Magical Handmade is a Black Conjure-centered clothing line that pays homage to Zora, Neil Hurston, Egwoon, Ancestors, Hai John and other Juju-related things. Our t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, bags, and more are made and customizable. Be Magical is unisex, size-inclusive, and Black Conjure woman-owned. So head on over to etsy.com slash shop slash be magical handmade today and grab one of our black conjure teas today and use the code jujube for 15% off your first order that's etsy.com slash shop slash be magical and of course all of this will be in the show notes now let's get to the show all you need is a little juju all you need is a little juju all you need is a little juju all you need. Is all you need, all you need is a little juju, all you need is a little juju, all you need is a little juju, a little juju, a little juju, a little juju, is the way, it's how I start my day, can't firm no say, and I'll never, never get played, play. I'll take your photo to the grave. But that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads, pray. I just pour a little honey from my bay to make them stay. Cause I hate when bay leaves, but I manifest a little with my bay leaves. I'm my ancestors' baby, so I give them everything that they gave me. Yeah, so I can't be stopped. Manifest it everything, gives me props. Welcome to another Juju Podcast. This is the podcast all about black ass black. Baby, black. Did I say it was about black? Black ass spirituality, honoring the ancestors, ancestors honoring ourselves, and decolonizing our spiritual practices on our path to liberation and freedom. I am your host, Juju, and I come to uh, this podcast as a medium, meaning I talk to dead people, y'all. Hoodoo—that is the spirituality that I practice. I also practice the Yoruba tradition of Ifa. I am an Orisha devotee, and this is the podcast to help us navigate through all of our spiritual stuff as a, you know, as millennials. I know people who listen to this who aren't millennials, but I'm a millennial. So that is my spiel. That is why I do this work. I love dead people. I love spirits. I love connecting and I love connecting people to their ancestors and to their spirits. Um. So yeah, here we are. Happy uh, episode. God, I shouldn't have said that because I don't know what episode this is. <laughs> But we put, reported live from East Baltimore now I think I mentioned last time that I moved back home So I'm home now And da, 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 I bought a house yay! Well my mom and I bought a house together But I am a homeowner So I'm very excited about that I'm very happy to be home I'm very happy to Just like breathing the good Baltimore air The sound of sirens (laughs) I know in the the older episodes Sometimes I would talk about like sirens going by in Chicago And I can't wait till I'm somewhere You know in my own place where there's no sirens Well I am in my own place There still may be sirens But I'm in my own house baby So thank y'all for the love I posted I didn't make a post on Instagram But I put in my story about you know closing on the home and yeah, it was, it was actually pretty easy. I'm blessed to have good credit and I'm blessed to have a mama who has good credit. <laughs> so we own a home together. It's going to be my primary uh, home though. She's not living with me, but yeah, I'm just really blessed to have a mama who was like, okay, babe, we're going to, we're going to get this house together. I'm investing in you. You invest in yourself. I mean, I'm going to be paying the mortgage because I'm going to be living there, but you know, it's nice to have a mom with good credit to be a co-owner. So that's what I've been doing. A lot has been going on with that because, oh God, I mean, not even just moving from Chicago to Baltimore, which is a whole expense and thing and takes so much energy, but also like now furnishing, how do people furnish their house? I'm confused. I'm like basically taking everything from my parents' house and going to go to every family member's house and (laughs) take a bunch of things because I'm like- So I have way more rooms than I've ever had, way more space than I've ever had. And I actually really, really like small homes. Um, My home is just a regular, it's a normal row house, you know, Baltimore row house, but it's just more space. So it's like, I have a bigger kitchen. I have a guest room. I have a back room. You know, it's like, what what do you put on all these places? I'm gonna be like them niggas who they got houses but they only got a couch (laughs) and one chair. And a (laughs) bed, literally me at this point, but no, I'm, I'm super grateful, super thankful. And yeah, it's, it's just been such an adjustment being home. Like I haven't lived in Baltimore for nine years. And so coming back to a place that you have not lived in nine years to just pick back up and then reconnect with family, reconnect with friends. Now you're actually invited to the family things because you're around. So then you're kind of expected to go. (laughs) it's just like oh wow okay like I'm back in community which I need I do need and I needed the grounding of being home it's just different so I I'm adjusting to that um y'all I look I can't even get as deep as I want to get right now because it's touchy, it's touchy, but just know it's so many things happening. um, Wonderful that I've talked about, but also things that like make me (laughs) feel like I'm losing my damn mind and remind me of like, oh yeah, this is why I used to be on medication (laughs) because people will try it and people will try you, which is why I always like to remind Shoot myself and others. That I am a spiritualist. I love people. I love the world. I love nature. Like I believe in freedom. Like I believe in choosing joy. All of that. But I am not a loving light, which I'm not. And what I mean by that is, a lot of people who practice like this sort of alternative spirituality. um, In a lot of ways, that it's been marketed. To us The occult This mysticism Has been marketed to us Is like around this Like oh my god Positivity only Like threefold Like very Wicca Very Wicca Which is like a spiritual practice Which I don't even know The roots of Wicca But I know that It's it's largely a white Witch practice No shade to Wicca I ain't saying Wicca don't work I'm saying I don't practice it And the rules of Wicca Are very different To the rules of Hoodoo And many African traditional religions So the African traditional religions That I teach Don't speak too much around you know, good and evil in this ways that we understand good and evil and morality in the ways that we understand it. Um, it's a practice of like people, you know, it's, it's all about energy. What people put out, like you can give them that back. So if somebody does harm to you, you have every right to protect yourself. You have every right to push that harm right back onto them to Yeah, protect your name, protect who you are, protect your spirit, protect your family. And so I'm just in the process of, like, really, like, owning that and remembering it's okay to protect me. Like, it's okay to protect anything about me if someone is trying to harm me or bring harm to me or bring negativity to me or whatever. So in my song, in the theme song, y'all know I say... I'll take your photo to the grave, but that ain't even my thing. It's really not my thing to be hexing these niggas. And I got a whole episode talking about not hexing willy-nilly. Pero, I am team hex, y'all. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Protect your neck. Protect yourself. Don't let people get over on you and start spitting this whole thing about karma and what you put out, and you're gonna get back threefold. First of all, that's not even how karma works. Karma is often misapplied and misdirected. If somebody's causing you harm, you have every right to do what you gotta do, period. And you doing what you have to do does not mean that you're gonna go to hell. First of all, none of my belief systems believe in hell anyway, so I could never go to hell. <laughs> no one can ever go to hell, but regardless, Put, dishing back what somebody dishes to you is not bad. If we're, I'm talking about my, I'm talking about hoodoo right now. That's not bad. I will be having to remind myself. I just want to let y'all know. I just want to let y'all know because I made a post on Instagram. Myisha um, made a little meme talking about basically a joke around hexing someone and watching their life go to shit. Um, and actually, someone reached out to me and was like, "I want to hex." a family member of mine who has hurt me, but I don't know how that works. Am I going to be hurt because of that? And it's hard to say because sometimes with family stuff, it's different. It's, it's, it can impact you depending on who the family member is. Like, are you hexing your baby daddy? Like hexing your baby daddy could have an impact on your child. It could, you know, you might have to do some additional protections. Hexing your mama might because y'all share the same ancestor. So how deeply are you hex? You know, it's, it, it's complex. So it's, a, it's, I can't just say like, you can just hex people and you're not going to feel anything from that depending on your relationship to that individual. But there's no rule that says you can't hex anyone who has not harmed you in hoodoo or that you cannot give back what people send you. If you are afraid of hexing, I'm not going off, but this is important to say. We, are, we have an interview episode today, <laughs> but let me just finish this. Of hexing, Or maybe you have a taboo, meaning you're not allowed to do a certain thing. You can always um, do a return to sender. And a return to sender is basically sending back any energy that you don't want, any type of curse, any type of bad mouthing, any type of evil eye that someone may have sent you on purpose or not. Doing a reversal just sends that back. So it's not a hex. It's just saying, look, I'm sending back any energy that's been sent to me. And I always add amplified so people who are sending me love and beauty and wonder and amazement, I'm, I'm, that's, that's going in a reversal too. That's getting sent right back to them because I appreciate that. Now, the people who ain't sending me that in my reversal, I'm sending you that back tenfold. So and, and, period. <laughs> so it's not a hex. It's just sending it back sending it back to sender what you give me I'm giving you so that's kind of how people sometimes will get around if they feel uncomfortable doing like active like I'm about to curse your ass to the ground yeah reversal um I wish I could describe a reversal let me just have an episode about this about doing reversals if I find something online I will put it in the show notes but basically even if it's going to be just kind of difficult for me to describe how to do it. Okay. Okay. I'll describe how to do it. My ancestors like, try. All right. So you have a glass of water, right? Now you can add other ingredients to this. It doesn't have to be water. I'm just going to start with water. You have a glass of water. You get a plate, put the plate on top of that water, then flip it over. So now you have an upside down glass filled with water. The water is staying inside because the plate is at the bottom, keeping it, you know, inside. So the plate is on the ground. Glass of water, boom. On top of that glass of water, you will add a. You'll put a candle there. And you can put it at the front and back of your uh, home, or you can just do one. Sometimes, if I don't feel like doing it at the entrances of my home, I just do one. And you just pray over it. You pray that whatever energy people are sending you, it goes back. You say whatever. You put your energy into it. Put your belief into it. Put your spirit into it. Cry if you need to. Say, you know, whatever you need to say. But when that candle goes out, and I say, you know, when this candle goes out, all the energy that has been said to me is going back tenfold. And if it's energy that I don't want, may it not be able to return to me. So whatever you feel like you need to say. And it's important to do this regularly so that you're making sure that you're getting those things off. You're getting that evil eye off. You're you getting that, you know, that mouth, people talking off of you and it's going right on back to them. And then sometimes it's interesting when you just did a reversal, you see people around you's life start to get fucked up. You're like, oh, see, I knew you was a hater. But now I now I have the uh, receipts because I just did a reversal and now you shit getting fucked up. You know what I'm saying? So I hope that makes sense. So glass of water. Put, a, put put the water in the glass, put a plate over top, like a nice little um, glass plate or whatever, ceramic, flip it over, candle on top, prayer, simple reversal. Just do that. There's, there's different ways to do it. Just do that. Try it out. And that was my ramble, huh? Okay, let's get into donations and then we can get into this interview episode. All you need is a little juju. So as I say, every week, this podcast is produced, written, hosted by me, a black woman, and um, it's open to donations because podcasting ain't free. It is not free. It is not free. (laughs) And it takes uh, labor on my end, but also resources and money. So if you believe in this work, if you believe in what I do, then I open up. Myself and a little juju podcast to receive blessings in the form of monetary blessings, but also non-monetary So some of the ways that you can help support me in this work is through patreon and patreon is a site where um, I ask for three dollars a month So that's thirty six dollars a year And if you sign up through patreon.com slash on the first of the month three dollars comes out of your account and um it helps support and sustain the show consistently, which is super important. I love my patrons, and so I got some new patrons uh, since the last episode, so I want to shout y'all out. Okay, so big, big shout out to my newest patrons. We have Yaz, thank you for pledging, Yaz. Tori Rodriguez, thank you, Tori, for becoming a patron. Uh, McKinney Williams, thank you. Shalewa McCall, I love that name. Thank you. Uh, Jiraius. Jureus. I'm so sorry if I mispronounce your name, but I thank you and appreciate you for becoming a patron. And I want to muster up all of my love, all of my energy of wealth and abundance, and I'm sharing it with you. Thank you for sharing it with me. I do not take people giving me any kind of money lightly at all. Um, It is fully and truly a blessing to me and allows me to continue to do this work. So I thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm sharing the energy of wealth with you that what you are trying to create, what you are trying to do, may you get the funds and the resources to be able to do that as well and to sustain yourself as you are trying to help sustain me. So thank you to my patrons. The other ways to help donate to the show, if you don't want to do a monthly commitment, you can also hit me up on the cash app. It's dollar sign. It's jujube I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E. And you can also donate through PayPal at the thejujubee at Gmail dot com all of this will be in the show notes so thank you thank you thank you to everyone who is sharing the energy of monetary wealth with me now in addition to that if you are not interested in giving me money but you're like I support your work I don't have the coin not right now boo people tell me that all the time still I want to shout out all of the people that continuously post about the show uh, post about something that you've learned from the show and tag me you let people know about the podcast, when there's list out about your favorite podcast, you tell them. All of that is still supporting the show. All of that gets the information out for the folks who have got on Apple Podcasts and written a review. Um, for the folks who've hit me with the five-star rating, all of that gets the word out. All of that helps spread the juju gospel. All of that helps sustain this work and me. Because when I see, listen, I'm my love language is words of affirmation, y'all. <laughs> that is my number one love language along with quality time. So even with my work and this podcast, when people are like, this is so amazing. I learned this. Thank you for this. I'm like, oh, it meant something. Oh my god, thank you. So I appreciate and I'm sending so much love and energy to the folks who are just consistently lifting me up, whether I see it or not. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All you need is a little juju. Okay, I'm super excited for the episode today because we have an interview episode. I feel like it's been a little while since I've interviewed someone for the show and I'm interviewing a friend of mine uh, named Michelle who I met in Chicago at when i joined a lukumi house which is I've, I've said this before lukumi is the the cuban version or iteration of the yoruba practice of ifa so i, I was in a lukumi house before i transitioned into a more traditional uh, practice and that is where i met michelle cuz michelle was one of the only black people in my in my house it was a mostly non-black Latinx uh ha- Ile. That I was in and so Michelle was there and you know when black people see each other it's like I zoom like <laughs> So that was kind of how I was with Michelle We were in Misa together which is a space for mediums to come together and get possessed and tell each other things and work on mediumship And so she was a really great medium and we became friends and so I wanted to have an episode about Mediumship and also she trained me in reading and doing Akashic records So for some folks who have gotten a reading from me, maybe I won't say majority but a lot of people who have reading from me, readings from me, I use Akashic Records to do those divinations, to do those readings and to be able to talk to spirit. So Michelle's going to talk about that. She's going to talk about being a medium for a long time, how she knew she was a medium and all of the things in between that Um, being a mixed race person growing up in Germany. I mean, there's just so much. So I'm very excited for y'all to have access to one of my people, one of my friends in you know, I like so many of my friends are my teachers. And so Michelle is one of those people. So I'm not going to keep running my mouth. Sit back, relax. I hope you all enjoy this interview. And yeah, let's just get right into it. Hi, Michelle. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well Thank you for being My next interviewee On A Little Juju Podcast We have been trying to For my listeners Schedule this for a very long time And Michelle is my friend So every time I see her I'm like okay We're gonna do this We're gonna do this interview Okay I got you And then it was always something So I feel like today Is just the divine day Because it is happening And also Michelle is in Germany right now And right. I'm in Chicago So that's I don't know why I feel like That's just so cool But it's it's <laughs> so cool that it's happening like this. Yeah, it's funny um, that we it that way. <laughs> mhm. So, let's just get right into the interview. Um, so just tell people who you are. Like, who who are you spiritually? Who are you? What do you practice? Where did you come from? All of that good stuff. Tell us about yourself. Mm. Okay, wow. I should have prepped for this question, I guess. <laughs>
1: So I am, so my name is Michelle, um, I work as a spiritual practitioner, as a um, medium, and as an Akashic Records reader and teacher, and um, okay, I'm uh, German-American, so I was born in Germany, raised by my African-American father and my German mother, and I moved to the States in 2006. So I come from a mixed background, um, and I've kind of been on a journey of just kind of uh, figuring out what that means, figuring out how spirit fits into the equation. How can I then help people to reconnect? Huh, that's something I should have thought about a little better. But basically, I would, rec- would say <laughs> I'm a mystic who um, is a child of the earth, child of her ancestors. And um, I work to help others reconnect to their own roots, whatever they may be, to f- live a more fulfilled life and a more free life,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. So how would you, you know, you said that you grew up in Germany and you said you moved to the States in 2006. Mm-hmm. So sort of what was it like, uh, like had your spiritual journey s- sort of started in Germany or like, what did that look like? Also just being, you know, a black yeah. person in Germany and, and all, just mm. all of that. Yeah. Well, I
1: think being a black person in Germany definitely prepared me to be other. So I, mm. you know, me and my sister were usually one of the few black kids in school and any environment. Um, and people asked me, a lot of times how that was, it wasn't really that weird because I always say there's not necessarily the system in place to, um, to, to institutionalize racism in the same way that it is in the States. So I actually was surprised when I came to the States and lived here, um, of how different it felt in Germany, you're kind of just other. So knowing that I'm kind of unique and I wasn't I didn't have the privilege of being able to fit in with a particular societal group um kind of propelled my own journey of self-discovery and it really also brought me uh, at an early age to a deep connection with nature and the unseen forces um I would say that I've always been a medium I've always been really sensitive even as a child I used to like walk in the in the fields. I grew up in a pretty rural area and I had a big dog and I would walk with him for hours and, um, I would just talk to spirit, but I just didn't even think it was anything to it. I would just talk and then I would get answers and we would spend hours out there and I felt so taken care of. Um, I just didn't have a framework for it. So I would say that I was always on a spiritual journey. I feel like my spirit snatched me up real young and, Then they kind of instructed me. And then, not until I really came to the States did I get into some systems and become more educated and get, you know, got a little bit more of a formalized training of what that meant and what that could look like.
0: Mm. So, you were saying that, you know, you would just go outside, sort of talk and connect with nature and you were getting answers. And so, for my listeners, first of Mm. all, Michelle is a ball medium, period. Like, Michelle is. I mean, that's all I can say. This is a bomb ass <laughs> medium, y'all. Like this is a real <laughs> medium. Um, So, and that's how I met Michelle, but we'll talk about that uh, a little later. But so how did you, cause a, a lot of people ask me like, how do you quote unquote know you're a medium or like what, like what are my gifts? And so I guess as someone who is an experienced medium and also someone who kind of naturally just started talking to things that were unseen and getting answers, like how would you, Describe what that f- looked and felt like for you, and then for people who are trying to, to see if they are mediums. Like, how could one see if they are medium?
1: Hmm. Yeah, good question. Um, I think people need to look a little bit closer to um, things that really seem every day that they're maybe they're probably discarding right now as partially mm-hmm. their own or just a fluke or a coincidence. Um, people are generally sensitive and tapped into the, you know, the other realms that we can't see, but it's just that we're trained only to use our five senses. And so I would say that if you are someone who experiences with some frequency, these moments where like, oh yeah, I knew that, or I thought that was, I knew this was going to happen. Or even if you just, you know, the, the phenomenon where you're thinking about someone and then they call you or you run into them or right. you hear something about them. Those are all indications that you're sensitive and that you have mediumistic abilities. And I really do believe that pretty much all of us at this point on the planet have mediumistic abilities. There's just some might be called to develop them more strongly or they just are already more strong, but we all have a real strong sense of intuition. Um, and that is a stage of mediumship, It's just, what do we choose to do with it? And unfortunately, a lot of people in this kind of particular matrix that we're living in are still highly discouraged of even even acknowledging that, you know? And then, I mean, we could get into it because then there's the other side where people go all the way out there and they really don't know what they're doing, but they feel like they have to over-affirm themselves and maybe get themselves in trouble because they really don't know what's going on. So that can happen Mm. too. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) <laughs>
0: yes, okay <laughs> um, So um, Thank you for that um, I think that was super helpful for, for folks So basically y'all We all have our own At least from Michelle's standpoint and mine We all have our own spiritual gifts And abilities and mediumship qualities But mediums A lot of mediums are born With a, a lot of gifts But there is a, a level of work that has to happen There's a level of training that has to happen That makes you stronger in your own gifts. So it's not just like necessarily you wake up one day and then you're hearing spirits or interacting with spirits. Well, maybe because I know that you have, um, you kind of interacted with spirit yeah, as a child, um, before maybe you were calling yourself a medium. So can you talk a little bit about that too? And like your first sort of interactions with like, Oh shoot, there's things happening around me that maybe yeah. others don't experience.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, you know, I think I also grew up in a pretty spiritual household, even though it wasn't described as that. My mom and her three, two sisters, um, they, like the men in my family used to call them witches. And I think, you know, there's some truth to it, even though they weren't really claiming that. But I grew up with my mom and her sisters doing um, Ouija board seances. And then I remember being around that and feeling the energy Um, And actually with them, it was always pretty comfortable. But I remember very specifically, there was a moment my um, maternal grandfather announced himself on this Ouija board and um, the glass, you know, the the Ouija board is when you have these letters spelled out in a circle and you have a glass and everybody puts their finger lightly on the glass and you ask questions and then the glass supposedly spells out answers. And in this case, I was probably five, six, no older than that. And this glass just like shot straight to me and started like going up and down my hand as if it were like patting my hand. And then it spelled out this that I shouldn't be here, that this wasn't an environment for me. That was the first time that I felt that I experienced being recognized and singled out by a spiritual entity. Mm. So from that on, I think it didn't, it left an impression, obviously, because I remember it. But then as we got into my teenage years, you know, my friends and I would just experiment with it. I don't know why. It was always around me. And um, I remember that that was always a very uncomfortable situation because they would do these things with, um, you know, calling on spirits and just playing around. And I would start to feel freezing cold. I would shiver. I would start getting teary. And I think it's just, you know, there was poor spiritual hygiene. So all of these nasty entities uh. were through, and they didn't like me. None of them did. They started, usually it was a very common thing that they would start like spelling out um, some kind of curses or something towards me. There was a lot of aggression that was directed towards me. I just didn't understand it, but I just know that um, it was impactful and it was scary in that time. But at the same time, you know, you're, as a teenager, you just do things and you don't even understand which boundaries you're crossing. Um, yeah, and then, you know, there were a lot of instances in my life where spirit just revealed itself. Unfortunately, a lot of it in my younger years was through a lot of darkness. I experienced a lot of darkness in my family background. There were some instances that I know were spiritual Um. That was that was really felt like a lot of attack and abuse. There were moments in my life where when I was younger that um, I would wake up in the middle of the night and feel intense pressure on my chest. I would see shadows in the night. There was one specific incident where I actually saw this outlining of a spirit enter my room and reach for me. Um, So that's, I guess, when I realized these things were getting stronger, but I really did not know what to do with it and how to direct it. Um, And then at some point in my early 20s, I got connected with my biological father and learned that they were all highly spiritual people that were very, very Christian, but they were also very highly spiritual people. So that was the first time that I actually came into some type of framework of um, this even existing and having any sort of meaning outside of me just kind of losing my mind.
0: Right, right. And I think it's interesting that you continued a spiritual journey, um, even through having had negative experiences um, with the spiritual world, more or less, or at least being confused around what was going on, um, that you kind of still were like, no, but I still want to see what this is and still felt inclined to study and learn and then set up spiritual boundaries. Because I think experiences like that, many people have experiences like that. Many people will feel the pressure Mm -hmm. at night or even just having dreams. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh no, I'm not touching that because that's that's evil. Like that's clearly something is wrong and I'm not going to dig deeper into that. So it's actually really interesting to me that with you was like, no, I'm actually drawn more to this uh, and I'm mm-hmm. going to study this and work with this. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, hmm. So kind so of transitioning a little bit uh, into, you know, you said you connected with your, with your biological father and, well, I mean, even if before that, so what kind of, how would you identify yourself, you know, spiritually? Like, do you have any particular religions? Was there something you were practicing in Germany the new things you were practicing in the States or like what kind of spiritual mm-hmm. processes have you been through?
1: Well, yeah, no, in Germany, I wasn't practicing anything. I was a Catholic kind of by default. <clears throat> <And> <laughs> <laughs> it's just my grandma insisted that I get baptized and, uh, mm-hmm. that was, you know, our German family's Catholic. So that's what happened. And I actually never really understood that I went to church and I never felt God ever. Like I was just really mm. bored. Um, <laughs> and then when I met my biological father, him and his brothers and sisters and my grandmother are very devout Christians, born again Christians. You know, they're ministers, they're apostles, they're all these things. And so um the first thing that they did was baptize me in the Holy Spirit and get me saved. So of course. right, you know, so then I did that. I was I lived that for about a year and a half, I would say, maybe two years. Um, and it was funny because I went to the States, I got saved. I really just came here to meet my dad. Next <laughs> thing you know, I'm thinking I think that's, that's <laughs> the blackest <laughs> shit ever. <laughs> came back saved a bunch of people here, had them all convert to Christ. And, you know, I don't know. And then at some point, it just, when it came to me finding a home church and all that, it just wasn't really vibing for me. I just didn't feel it. And then what really, I think for me, it was really hard to um, reconcile all of the fear and all of the judgment. I have a lot of you know, gay and lesbian friends, LGBTQ, everything. And I just, it just did not make sense. It just started not making sense. And that was really hard. But then I ultimately let go of that. Um, and at that point, I had already moved to the States. And so then there was a, a period of me kind of just. Doing my thing, not really engaging with any particular spiritual practice. I just know that every time I would pray, God would say, You're good, you know, just keep doing your thing and find your own relationship to the divine. And yeah, then I kind of started exploring. I went to this women's circle and started diving into the divine feminine and the divine feminine from different cultures, cultural aspects um, that led me to this. ministerial program. It's an earth-based ministerial program out in California with these people who've been working with indigenous nations um, around the globe to kind of, they have this like, in their words, they have this mandate to preserve or help preserve the original lines of prayer and not mix Mm. them and, and respect them and give them a space to carry them through the millennia. So I was drawn to that school through actually a couple of visions and different ceremonies that I participated in. And that was a really great program. It was a two-year program, and we had teachers from cultures all over the world. The one that really spoke to me was actually Tish Atish, uh, Yeah Louise Atish. She had um, a module on ancestors and... Um, when she spoke, something started to move in me. And I said this to her, I said, I don't know what it is, but when you're speaking, there's something in me that is really waking up and that is really calling me and I don't know how to identify it. And, um, she kind of just said, you know, was just keep, keep working, keep doing your thing and, and see what happens. She was going to maybe come to Chicago, but that didn't happen. Um, But in the meantime, I also felt really strongly drawn to working with ayahuasca, um, this plant medicine from the Amazon. And um, it's something that I didn't want to pursue on my own. I knew that it was calling me, but I had a deep respect for it. But at some point I was, you know, connected with someone who I trusted and had known for a long time. And I started um, going down that path, working with this medicine and so when I started working with her, she really revealed a lot of things for me very quickly. Um, and she by really... her,
0: you're referring to the ayahuasca. Right. By her,
1: I'm referring to the entity that people call Mama Ayahuasca or the Yahe or many different um, names that she carries. But I think everyone agrees that she's a feminine energy and... You know, the story is that ayahuasca is the plant or the the spirit that taught all of the other plants their songs. So she's a master plant. She's considered a sacrament. And, um, yeah, a very deep teacher. So, yeah, I started drinking ayahuasca on a more or less regular basis. And, yeah, over a lot of different... Through a lot of different paths, I ended up in my current ILE, (laughs) because (laughs) in one of the ceremonies, um, my mediumship would get stronger and stronger through working with this this um, medicine. And it's kind of hard because she, when you're in that space, all of the doors are open, and it really you you either learn how to really hold your own boundaries, or it 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 just I think demolishes you. And um, so she really taught me how to get stronger, but there was still a lot that I didn't know. And so there was one night in particular; it was a very strong night, and that's when I had my first um, spirit possession. And with
0: on the ayahuasca,
1: on the ayahuasca.
0: Okay, so hold on. Let me just interrupt really quick, just so folks yeah. are clear. So ayahuasca is an herb, a plant that you ingest and it's a it's used ceremonially um, mm-hmm. that you ingest. And basically it is a, it sort of whew, opens up the portal, past, present, future. I mean, you're really starting to interact with yourself, I think in a new way. And this is just from what I've heard. I've never done ayahuasca though. It's something that I've researched and interested in. Um, mm-hmm. But the folks that I have talked to who have um, ingested it and been in ceremony using the ayahuasca. And using the medicine have talked about a lot of deep healing. I mean, being able to interact with the spirit of the plant that Michelle is talking about and and her sort of revealing some truths about yourself that you have to sit with and feel and and heal through in those in those particular moments. And you're doing that around other people who are kind of going on their journey with the ayahuasca at the same time. So it's a very interesting um, and healing process. So I would also I'm going to have the name and how to spell it in the show notes so that people can do their own research around ayahuasca and and, and folks ayahuasca journeys. So I just wanted to say that so people were clear on what on what that was. Okay, yes. so you had a uh, spirit possession while um in the ayahuasca ceremony and that was yeah. your first time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my first time with like a human spirit. I was used to kind mm-hmm. of time kind of I think close that door off. Really, I had closed off working with, you know, the spirits of the dead after it was just so uncomfortable being a teen and a young adult and really not having engaged with any nice energies. Um, Yeah. And so during that session, um, it was funny. There was this, I felt this grandmother spirit of someone who I knew she announced herself and she said, you know, can we come in? And so on ayahuasca, oftentimes what you do is you open a prayer portal for the spirits to go through to the light, you know, to get their own spiritual healing. And me not knowing a thing, um, just being naive and being this little, like, yeah, I want to be of service. I was like, okay. And then the next thing, you know, I'm on the floor and I'm feeling basically her whole lineage, like zooming through me. Um... And it was really, it was very disorienting, it was scary, it was uncomfortable, and, um, and ultimately it left something with me, because they, they um, were trying to get away from something that then stuck with me, and I didn't know it for quite a while. And um, again, through a series of really events by sp- and promptings by spirit, I contacted my now um, spiritual godmother, actually for a reading. And that's when she she saw me and she said, uh, you, "You need a cleansing. You you look terrible." Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> and um, yeah, I got the cleansing. I got the reading by my by by my Padino by Babalao. At that point, I hadn't met him yet, or I just met him. But I knew, you know, I knew enough already at that moment to trust spirits. I knew that my ancestors had brought me to that door. It was another thing that I was kind of trying to avoid or I was kind of dragging my feet on. But it was a crisis that was perpetuated so that I could get into a proper training. So, okay, this is a long way to explaining that. I practice Lukumi. Um, I'm not initiated as a priestess. Um, I'm an Apetibi, so that means... I have received certain initiations, particularly I've received ICOFA, Hand of Ruler, and um, that means that I can uh, participate in certain IFA ceremonies and support and, you know, work in that way. And other than that, Lukumi also has the another arm to it that is... Um, Espiritismo, which is just basically working with the dead, the ancestors, and doing misas, doing seances in a particular way. And um, yeah, I've been working in that way for a couple of years, and it's been very beautiful. And it's really allowed me to grow as a medium in ways that I didn't really know that I could.
0: Mm -hmm. So had you ever heard of like Orisha tradition prior to reaching out to... um, Well, me and Michelle met actually in my old Elay, the Elay that she's talking about was my first Elay, so that's actually how we met um but were you ever studying about the orisha or hear about the orisha prior to reaching out to madrina i did yeah you know, okay. but
1: there was no context so in mm-hmm. the um in this uh ministry program that i did part part of the requirements were that you needed to uh, participate in four breath works and a, a breath work is basically a way to induce non-ordinary states of consciousness without ingesting any kind of, um, substance, but simply through a process of breathing and, and creating a ceremonial container. Um, and so in these breath works, you go into a, an altered state and you're really just channeling. And, um, I would have these moments where I would just, um, I don't know what it was. I might've been really actually possessed by this, this, at least some essence that um, was very Orisha um, reminiscent. I would like find myself saying Orisha at a, like at a really high pitched voice. And I would just have these like words come out of me that were um, basically praising the Orisha. And um, at that point I was also really, deeply connected, which I still am, but it was new then. I was really deeply deeply connected to the waters. And so I would go to Lake Michigan in Chicago and pray to the water and just listen to it. And, you know, at this point, this was nothing new to me. I would just listen to the water and it would give me messages. And so the water gave me the message about the Orisha and also told me that my who my guardian Orisha was. Um, so then I started doing some research, but I didn't come To Lukumi from the attachment of you know oh I'm this um, I'm this Orisha's daughter and that's my identity I just need to get into this house it was more the other way around I feel like really I was led my ancestors called me I think the Orisha (laughs) called me and then I definitely needed some help with managing my um, my gifts. Right. And, so that they, and so they put me in that place. And then I began to actually understand where am I, which mm, is, I think, mm-hmm. a beautiful part of the spiritual journey. Oftentimes we don't know where we're going, but if we can develop a healthy trust and a good relationship to our intuition and the spirits, then we don't have to know all the steps. We can really trust that we're being taken from one place to the next um, and that it's supporting our spiritual journey and our destiny.
0: Right, right. And so that's a great point. Um, So do you feel, so when did you sort of start to do ancestral work, you know, and like building your own ancestral space and kind of connecting with your ancestors? Um, What did that look like for you? Did that kind of happen after you found Lukumi or where, where did that come in?
1: Mm, I want to say it came in halfway through, you know, after working with ayahuasca for a while, because okay. my ancestors would come forward, and I would have these visions. Actually, it started with working with the divine feminine and part- participating in different rituals where we would honor, especially our female ancestors. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where it started. And um, and then it really did take shape when I entered Lukumi, and knew that I needed to know so many names and so many, you know, generations past. Um, That's when it really started to take a lot of shape. I have to tell you, um, Sam, that you also inspired me, like, greatly to really take it more seriously and to put up an ancestral altar. Um, Like, just listening to your podcast and listening to the things that you've been sharing on IG and just in general, that really started to solidify in my mind that this is something that, you know, even though I was already uh, an Orisha devotee and we had our Egun, or ancestor part, you know, parts taken care of in that practice, I felt like, no, you know what? It's really important that I set a space aside for my ancestors in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I knew this in theory, I didn't really practice it until really, right.
0: you know, you kind of inspired me to do that. Hmm. I say. Okay. And so since, I mean, I know you were working with your ancestors prior to actually having a space uh, dedicated Mm -hmm. to them. And so I'm just thinking around, you know, having been someone who's European, you know, born in Europe in Germany, coming to the States, connecting with a whole different side of your family, meeting new family members that you didn't know before. Um, What, what kind of role did your spirituality play or even your ancestors play sort of in how you were coming to know and understand who you are and, and identify? I mean, even beyond racially, but that too, but just even being someone who was just living in a completely different place with completely different people. Um, yeah. yeah. What was that? What was that like? Well, it's
1: ongoing. I would almost say, you know, I still keep like when I travel back and forth, I keep reconciling pieces of myself that I had that have been dormant, that I didn't know how to really access and work with and, and give the proper acknowledgement to. So, um, I would say that my ancestors coming to the States, they got really loud,
0: uh, Mm. especially
1: my African descent ancestors. I think they were like, yes, finally. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. they really ran the show for a long time until actually, um, yeah, until actually some of my European ones made themselves known again. We're like, don't forget about us. Um, but, you know, they definitely helped me reconcile with family members. Also, this ancestral practice just in general allowed me to get a, gain a greater appreciation just from a, an experiential standpoint for myself and my family and my family history and what we've been through and what it took for me to be here and for me to have this point of view Um, because just being in the States and living in this, in that environment where the oppression is really deeply felt where it's just, you know, it's so clear. The history is just everywhere. And, um, and then doing research and just learning about, in more depth about my own history, my family history, talking to my aunts and uncles and my grandmother and, seeing the deep pride that they have for their family and for our history. It just, I guess it just really allowed me to appreciate myself in a deeper way, to understand myself in a deeper way. So I'm not seeing myself in a vacuum anymore. I can recognize myself in so many others and then I can look back and think, you know, these traits that I'm exper- that, that I'm inhabiting right now, They come from somewhere and what must have that been like to live in a particular time, um, being the person that you are seeing the world in the way that you are and having particular abilities or, you know, ways and how did you navigate? How did they navigate that space where there was even less freedom to express yourself and to be who yourself in all of your greatness. Mm -hmm. So it definitely was really healing and it continues to be really healing. It also continues to be really humbling. Mm -hmm. Um, because i know for myself i um i tend to want to kind of separate myself from especially i know i don't know perceived negativity or even boxed in thinking i um sometimes i feel like i'm the one who's going through everything for the first time and others were just living on a lower frequency so they didn't really experience xyz <laughs> and just realizing that's not obviously not the truth mm-hmm. and yeah so it continues to it continues to educate me and it continues to also help me ground into this space because I know for me and I think a lot of people suffer from this that we have this sense of not belonging and you know, once you start connecting with your ancestors, and then if you're also connecting to the earth and the earth spirits, that lie just lifts off of you. And you just have to continue to to do that work to remember that we as humans, we do belong to this earth, you know, and that these lines and these boundaries and nationalities, you know, they have, you know, culturally, they have a lot of relevance. But on the other side, there's so much that makes us other, there's more that makes us mm. other and, and uproots us from belonging. So now we're all kind of like here, not belonging anywhere and connecting with the ancestors and the earth. That's the best remedy that I could ever
0: yes.
1: um, suggest for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yes. And you know, it made me, as you're talking, I, I, I wanted to sort of get your opinion on this or just, initially, whatever comes to mind that you want to say to it, but you know, people will reach out to me and we kind of talked about this on Facebook a little bit. I made the post, but this is also just some other stuff, but people will reach out to me who are biracial, Mm -hmm. specifically black, white, um, mixed, whatever you want to call it. And they will say, you know, first they'll ask around if they're allowed to practice hoodoo, if they feel that they're allowed to practice hoodoo, because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it centralizes, you know, black people specifically and black American um, ancestors specifically. But then also they'll they'll it feels like there's some tension for those biracial folks around their altars. And are they allowed to like honor their white ancestors and their black ancestors at the same time? And is that conflicting? And should they even build an altar because some of their ancestors may have enslaved their other ancestors. And I know that might be a little bit different for you because you are it's it's a different contexts but i just want to know like your initial thoughts to that because when i'm asked at least around like what should i do with my ancestors i'm just like well i think that that's a personal choice like i think what you decide to do with your ancestors. I mean, you have to talk to them and see what they say or like what who's connecting or who's even coming through. Because sometimes certain ancestors come through more in certain spaces than other ones do. And you kind of spoke to that as well. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, as someone, since I'm not biracial, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, I just want to put that out there and see what you have to offer around people feeling like some tension or just not knowing what to do or feeling like, I don't know if I can do this. Or, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I think it's kind of, it's really, um, it's a layered subject. Um, what I've, what I've learned from myself and in my own journey is that you can't let people, because ultimately, okay, there's systems, you know, there's belief systems, there's spiritual systems that people belong to and that people that originate with certain people. And then there's the people that are claiming it in, in a certain space. And a lot of times, I don't know, I feel like if you have the blood, then you have the connection to the spiritual practice if this is something that you're called to. There's a lot of gray area there because you need to be respectful. But if you're if you're following a call of your bloodline and you are reconnecting to an ancestry of yours, then just do that and do it in a respectful way. You don't have to go ahead and call yourself, you know, you don't have to put on a sign and a title. I mean, I think that goes for everyone, really. Um, I think learn a little bit first before you start proclaiming yourself as this, this, and that. But if we're talking about people just engaging with a spiritual practice that is in their bloodline and they're just engaging with it for their own healing, their spiritual healing, emotional healing, ancestral healing, that should be the first and foremost. um, um, What do you call it? (laughs) That should be your inspiration anyway. That should be. So if you know, and if you can honestly say I'm coming humbly um, and respectfully to this practice, I know that I have, you know, within me maybe different lineages that might have collided then tread lightly and be respectful and maybe don't call yourself a certain thing just yet and just see where spirit wants to lead you. But ultimately I think, you know, spirit and your ancestors are going to guide you to where you need to be. It's just, you know, people also like to always have labels. They just don't like to be, I mean, this is a very general, generalized statement, but I feel like it happens a lot that, um, People are not necessarily trying to engage with something for their healing, but because it's kind of something that they want to own. They want to claim and they want to own because it's some kind of ego trip as well. And that's where you get caught up. So if you're just engaging with something to learn, to heal, and then see where it takes you, I mean, who could actually tell you? No, you know, I mean, if you're just, because you also can't listen to everybody's opinion. And that's hard sometimes. But if you we don't affirm ourselves first, then who's going to affirm us? That's really like, it's a responsibility that we own. We have to own ourselves. We have to first self define ourselves and learn about who we are, who our people were, and then you can carry that out into the world. Like for me, I know my ancestors claimed me. Even in my German heritage, um, you know, I oftentimes don't feel German. So I'm because I'm black, and even especially in the States or outside of Germany, if you run into Germans and then, you know, you're like, well, I'm German. People don't always like to see that. They don't necessarily. <laughs> right. <to that>. right.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. Like what? You're right. German. <laughs> what? Right. But I've had so many, start reasons, speaking so German. many, what What's that? I said, I still, you start speaking German. Then it's like, Oh, right. wow. Better that, better <laughs> right. But then
1: I've had the spirits come to me and be like, don't worry about what people say. We know right. you. We claim mm-hmm. you. Come back. Mm-hmm. Come over here. And so, you know, I think that's also like if if you have a connection, your spirits are going to let you know or, you know, and who can really deny that? It's really a spiritual practice. So,
0: yeah. Right, right, right. And thank you for, for saying that. So. Basically, I mean, and what I'm taking from that is like, follow your, your lineage. Like you're doing this actually for your mm-hmm. own healing and for the healing right. of your lineage, period. So right. if you have a connection, you have a direct bloodline con- connection to whether it's a spiritual tradition, whether it's a certain way of understanding life or whatever, like you said, tread lightly and learn about it, but don't stop yourself from doing the healing because because that's the, that's what's the most important because of some type of, label or some type of oh I don't know if I can do this um and for clarity I know I got a whole bunch of different people listening to this this is not a white people somewhere and you're Lenny, you got one black person so now you're gonna say you a hoodoo son that's not what I'm talking about right now so don't even try it don't even try it I'm talking about people who have traceable and specifically actually the biracial folks who reach out to me around I don't know what to do and I don't know how to connect with my people and I don't know if I even should be um just listen to them and follow them and trust that you're going to be led to the right place cuz this is right. about you and your people and your family and your the future your future family and your past family exactly so, okay thank you yeah. so um i want to transition a little bit into akashic records because I mean, it's, it's something that for my listeners, Michelle is my Akashic records teacher. And now I'm doing divination through using the records, uh, for the most part, I I am opening the records. And so I want you to kind of tell people what the records are, um, and yeah, and then I'll ask you some, some other questions, but generally like, what are the Akashic records? Okay. Okay.
1: So the Akashic records, I like to call, I like to explain it simply as a soul's um, energetic blueprint, and that is past, present, and future possibilities. So the idea is that there's a realm where all of your, everything you've done, everything you've experienced, everything you're currently experiencing, and everything you might experience in possibility form is somehow recorded and can be accessed. And um, it's really, a, it's just an energetic realm. And you can learn to kind of access that realm. And when you get into it, you, um, you work with a set called, you know, the Akashic Masters or a person's guides to individually get information from these records the thing is that you're really basically calling on a really high-level overview of a soul's journey. And um, yeah, you can mm-hmm. look into it and information.
0: So who can access the records? Who's allowed to access the Akashic Records? Well, technically, you don't need
1: an initiation into that. It's uh, something that you can learn. And really, anyone can access their own records you can access another person place entities akashic records with their permission um so yeah pretty much anyone who's trained in in reading that a little bit can access them
0: mhm and so just to give folks like maybe a visual i mean this is all <laughs> It's so interesting. So basically, you kind of start off saying a prayer, sort of calling on the, the the spirits, calling on the ancestors, calling on the Akashic spirits, um, and the ones that kind of hold this this knowledge, like kind of like our collective universal knowledge that people talk about. So, so tapping into the records is sort of tapping into that knowledge of whether yourself or someone else with their permission. And so you're just kind of starting mm-hmm. off in prayer, calling on this this particular energy, this access to this, this knowledge. And then you start to feel it's, it's wild y'all. Like it's just, it's really wild because it it sounds kind of like, Ooh, like out there. But then, you know, Mm -hmm. as I was getting trained by Michelle and doing it, I'm like, Oh, I have access to your records. Like I was doing Michelle's records and like my own records and my ancestors, records which were relevant to me because they're my ancestors so I'm going able to travel back and learn about the core of traumas that I'm carrying that aren't mine well that that I've inherited but had nothing knew nothing about but the records and the spirits of the records were able to show me that and this is all happening like in my mind's eye in my spirit in my in my and how I'm feeling and it's just it's, it's 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 wild, y'all. But I'm trying to tell y'all. <laughs> it's, it's some real shit. And those who have been in divination with me who were like, wait, what? How did you? I'm like, baby, that's them records. <laughs> I don't know what the records though. So um, do you have to be a medium to work with the records?
1: I would say that it's highly beneficial to be a medium. Um uh you could work with the records, but you know, if if you're not comfortable. So here's the thing. The records are really vast. So that's the first thing. You're opening up a place that is really almost pretty much infinite. And there's so much information that could be coming at you. So if you're not trained or at least comfortable in discerning some information that comes out of the ethers for you, that will be overwhelming. And I've unfortunately have seen that happen. I've given classes and people have had to lay down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. They really didn't know what to do with it all, you know? And so I think having some medium mystic inclination is very, very helpful. The other thing is you, you have to be able to trust what you're receiving. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's so many ways that people receive information from the records. You can even do, you can even channel energy through the records and like healing energy. That's kind of similar maybe to Reiki application but, again, if you're not comfortable channeling, in general, information, energy, thoughts, feelings, whatnot, then this is going to be very overwhelming. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So, what kind of is the history of the costume records? Like, where does that come from?
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's a little bit of an ominous an ominous history to it. What I know is that in the 1920s, especially specifically in Europe, actually Western Europe, this became a really popular practice after the first um, world war. And when Europe was kind of having this revival of spiritism, that's when the Akashic records came back into into view. There's a pretty famous guy called Edgar Casey. He was really famous at the time. He was called the sleeping medium, I believe. And he worked specifically with the records, with the Akashic records. And he would, basically people would come to him and, you know, ask for a divination and he would put himself into a trance that looked very much like sleep. And then he would emerge after a while with all of the answers and with the downloads from the records. So, Akasha really just means ether in um, in Hindu, I believe, and so that's where it's where the word is derived from. The practice itself, to my knowledge, comes from comes out of um, European spiritism and that kind of resurgence of connecting with spirit and the occult during that time. Because that's the same time that also Lisa Blanca came back into view um, and people, just mediums were popping up everywhere. So, yeah. It also, you know, people say the Akashic Records are really another word for the trio, for the book of life. And the, the religious counterpart to the Book of Life that is really present in all of the older religions as well. Um, but as a particular practice, it kind of popped up back in the
0: 1920s. Right. And so, yeah, that's similar to, like you were saying, misas and how folks are doing Mises now in, you know, spiritualism and in different And and Lukumi and uh, different, even African spiritual traditions practicing, like working the white table and working with the dead. And so even though I think, like you were saying, the Akashic records generally kind of started in Europe. Um, I think it's really about. I think those folks may have given it an, a, a particular name, but the concept mm-hmm. of being able to tap into universal knowledge is something that have it has existed across. I think different cultures, different traditions, different religions, um, for hundreds and thousands of years. But this is a stru- sort of a, more of a structured way to be able a different structural way to be able to do that, that we've been, it's been passed on to us. And now that we can use to be able to, cause we have the technology to be able to tap in now to this, this information and into those records. Um, right. Well, actually, yeah.
1: you know, it's been, it's, some people even trace it as far as, you know, ancient Egypt and Babylon. Right. Um, it's just, I'm referring more to the, the term Akashic Records, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, right. really universal, infinite energy that's been around probably as long as anything has been around.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Which is similar to when I think about Mises, you know, and talking about how it did start in Europe, but connection to dead people didn't start in Europe. It's just right. like this particular way of connecting to the dead is something that's stuck and that we can now use as our own technology to be able to connect with the dead. Um, right. Yeah. So what is, you know, how do people, or how can someone, like, can someone train themselves through it? Is this someone that, something that someone would need to find an elder or a teacher around? Like kind of, what does that look like? Like if someone wants to be like, oh, I want to open my records, <laughs> you know, how, did, how would they do that? Yeah. You could, I mean, you could easily just
1: go on Google and Google, um, an opening prayer for Akashic records and follow. There's a lady, um, Linda Howe. Who has this thing? I think it's called the Pathway of Love or something, um, process on her website. And she kind of made herself an authority. She's written some books, and I think she got a PhD in Akashic Records. Um, so you could easily just go and start trying that out. But, um, to really be effective and to know how to work it, I would highly recommend working with someone who's in an established. Unit. And has at least, you know, it has a good amount of experience under their belt because there's one thing, it's one thing to open the records, but then to really understand how to read the energy, what to do with it, you know, to trust yourself, um, just the different things around spiritual hygiene. Those are things that you learn from a medium that knows how to be a medium. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I did. Go ahead. That's how I started working with them, but then I quickly mm. stopped. Them. It was terrible.
0: <laughs> so, yes, you probably could open your own records. Now, are we pushing you to go on to open your own records? Maybe not. You might want to find I somebody. I wouldn't recommend it. There's it a lot Got of it. crazy information. <laughs> of course. So, how do people, you know, can you use the Akashic records in tandem with other divination systems and tools? Yeah, you could. You could definitely
1: use it in tandem with tarot cards for sure. Tarot cards, um, you could probably use it with a number of divination forms. Probably anything you can think of that's not um, traditionally, you know, that's that's not part of a specific tradition that kind of is exclusive. So I wouldn't recommend mixing it with things. But if you're initiated in that, you wouldn't do that anyway. So.
0: Right, right, right. I mean, cause I, I mean, I do, I just want to see your opinion, but yeah, I, when I read my dice, I open the records before I read the dice. Um, Mm -hmm. so it kind of helps, it can also help bring some structure to all of the information or just kind of help checking in with spirits. Like, okay, so how are we going to guide this conversation? Let's start off with what the dice are telling me, and then I can move from, and that's how I do my divination. Then I move from there. Um, and then. Um, I was talking to my friend recently about the records and she was just so interested and she was like, well, who is this in service to? And I thought that that was a very interesting question. Like who could this be in service to? Um, And so Mm -hmm. I just wanted to pose that to you. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, In my opinion, it's
1: in service to um, the highest good and the fulfillment of your highest destiny on earth Mm. in this lifetime. Whoa,
0: well, well, period. <laughs> <Okay>. Period. <laughs> period. So uh-huh. I was working with Michelle and or you, but talk to my listeners too, with Michelle. And uh, we did some, we opened up my records and I'm getting chills a little bit. <sighs> and some things around, like my ancestors came up and Michelle was kind of walking me through this, like, it was beyond inner child healing like we was going back to ancestral healing and different experiences of my people that has been passed down through my lineage and that i carry and was was able to do a lot of like sending light and healing to those, like the core of some traumas, like the core of some experiences that have happened. And so I just wanted you to talk a little bit about how, I mean, it's mind blowing. It's not just about opening up the records to just get some tea about somebody or to tell you if you need to leave your job or not, even though it does do that and it works. But there's like mm-hmm. a, there's a way that we can travel and heal across time and dimension that was so powerful for me. And to, to, to know that I could do something that was bringing healing, um, to my lineage and bring healing to dead people and like, and bring healing to traumas that happened hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago. Like, yeah, I just, I don't even know. I don't have a question, but I just wanted to open it up with just to talk about sort of how powerful it is to be able to do that and how we can use the records like in a in a deep deep way
1: yeah well you know yeah first of all thanks for that reflection and and for sharing that piece you know of your own experience with the records um i like you know i feel like when i work with the akashic records i feel like i'm working with a very high level a very high vibration of truth Mm. and It also is a particular structure that allows me to um, put prayers into the field, into the matrix, that go directly there. Because I'm basically in there with my intention, with the container that I've set, and with the Akashic Records being established and understood by so many people who agree that this is the way that we get to this particular vibration. Um, I feel like it's, it's just a shortcut to a really high vibrational um, portal to accessing the fabric of reality. Now there's different ways that you can access that, you know, because I think that ritual does the same thing or ceremony does the same thing or can do the same thing. Really sincere prayer can do the same thing. And really it's, it, it's really also the force of, of intention that people that we as humans we tend to really underestimate what we can do with really focused intention and clarity. And what I think is great about the Akashic Records is that they allow you to see with clarity a situation that is impacting you. And then in that space of of, of deep clarity you get to impose and send energy to this particular situation to alter it and then you get you get to feel and see the ripples through the field and it just really highlights how reality is just you know it's it's really a matrix or a field or a web or a weaving what the indigenous people always knew it, it, it's and and we can take we can take action on it mm-hmm. we just often don't you know because mm-hmm. we don't know
0: right right Whew. Every time I talk to Michelle, y'all, I really, spirit, it's like spirit always wants to come through. Literally almost every time I talk to Michelle, like we'll be at the bar. We'll be drinking at the bar. I didn't get possessed. I started giving messages. She gave a message. That's literally how I feel right now in this interview. Like I'm trying to just like, keep it together. Well, I love it, though. I do, too. You do the same for
1: me. Mm-hmm. I think it's really amazing. You know, you got mm-hmm. it from each other. I
0: mean, this is who we are. Right. There's nothing wrong with it. But, beautiful it's beautiful and it's a gift mm-hmm. it is because you you just be the spirits are always moving every time we're, we're talking um whew. okay I, I'm, I don't think I have any more questions about the record so thank you for sharing all of that um so if folks wanted to I guess they're like okay I'm ready to tap into the akashic records I'm ready to do this I'm ready to connect like what would you say the first step is like how would one find an akashic records elder more or less mm.
1: um you know what I would say first of all because I'm pretty sure everybody who's listening has got a connection or is building a connection or knows it's important to build a connection to your ancestors first, mm-hmm. so that's what I would do first because you can easily Google akashic records readers and find someone. yeah, what I would recommend yeah. you do first is that you put it to your ancestors and your spirit guides, even if you don't know them, and just put it out there and say, you know I would be I feel really called to this modality to work with it or to experience it. please connect me to the right person." Mm-hmm. Um, And then kind of go from there. Mm. Um, Yeah, of course, it could always
0: come to me. (laughs) Right, of course. And we're definitely going to plug you. (laughs) Because y'all should go to Michelle. And so would that be your same advice to folks? Um, I don't think I asked this directly earlier, but folks who are like, I feel like I'm a medium and not just like the medium that we all are, but like I feel like there's something happening and going on. Would you say the first step is connection to ancestors and that being a way to help develop mediumship skills?
1: Yeah, for sure. Because your ancestors, you can trust, you know, you can have spirit guides and if you really don't know what you're doing yet you just don't know which which voice to trust but Mm -hmm. you can connect with your ancestors even if it's just the last generation or two that you still have a relationship you know that you knew someone and it might be easier for you to trust the direction that you're being pushed in then um yeah go through your ancestors and ask them to bring you to teachers and sometimes it takes a while because you might just not be in that place or the teacher's not there or whatever. And yeah, I would also say don't push it unless you're really being pushed and then you just make, make it clear. But if you're being pushed, then there should already be a, way, a place that you're being pushed towards. I think, you know, people, often feel like they have to take things in their own hands and because that's the way of the world we have to be productive and have action items but sometimes if you don't know what you should be doing then just listen and do nothing for a while and let things come to you because if it's for you it's going to be there it's not going to miss you
0: period what's for you ain't gonna miss you my friend says that all the time my friend you're at what's for you ain't gonna miss you that's so true yeah i'm so true Um, and so my last question is just sort of a general question, but, um, how has, you know, this life changed you and healed you, you know, and by this life, Mm -hmm. I mean that you can interpret that whatever way, but it's just revolving around spirit, you know, how has this life changed you and healed you?
1: Yeah, I don't know. You know, I feel so blessed to be alive at this time. I mean, I say this all the time Mm -hmm. and it just gets a becomes a more and more deep appreciation it's you know the more you come into the spiritual realm or not even maybe even just the more you come into your own self whatever that might look like because everyone doesn't need to have a high spiritual note some people are mm-hmm. really great at building and doing mm-hmm. things and creating and other things. but the more that you come into your own self and accept yourself and kind of explore yourself and then ground into the fact that you belong here and that you have every right to belong here that there's nothing wrong with you like those fundamental you know root chakra understandings of being a human being the more you the more i at least feel so blessed i i just see how this is so much bigger than me i see i mean i really i could literally break into Tears at any given moment. Really thinking about the immense amount of blessings that has been poured over my head and my feet consistently. You know, um, that I even get to be here. All of the sacrifices and the the work and the lived experience that went into me having my turn on the planet right now. During this time, where there is so much awakening and there is so much changing. And you know, I have kids, so I always look ahead to the next generations as well and what it might look like for them to walk in my shoes one day and how much further we might have come in being free and being humans and just living in the way that we were created to be so it's given me a lot of um gratitude and it's given me it's basically you know the thing is i feel like this life i'm going to say the spiritual life or this life of belonging has brought me back to, you know, more and more brings me back to an original state or what I would interpret as an original state before the separation or whatever you might want to call it, the fall or where before this thought entered into our collective consciousness that we're not enough and that we're wrong. Mm. Um, and that alone, I mean, simple as it sounds, it's really. That's really all that you can strive for, I think. Real, you know, I haven't
0: found anything else that's bigger than that. Right. No. And that, I, yes, I say to that. I mean, we we live in a in a system on a grid and grid and in a world where so often so many of us are told that we're not enough and we don't belong. So connecting with something, connecting with your ancestors, connecting with spirit, connecting with the land. And and forces that are telling you no, you do belong, and you are valuable, and you're here actually for a divine purpose that is separate from you know another person that's unique to you, is. I mean, it, you can't beat it <laughs> like that. You yeah. can't beat it. You just, yeah, yeah, there's nothing that's better good. than that to be reminded that you're valuable, and that you mm-hmm. you're here for a purpose. A, 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 yeah. a deep aligned purpose people wrote for you to be here and pray for you to be here. right yeah and that your purpose doesn't have to be in
1: service to anything yep you you can just be yep. your purpose could be that you were here and you yep. sang your song you had mm-hmm. your note in the gigantic symphony and yep. it wouldn't be without you yes
0: Yes, yes, yes. Ashe, 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 ashe. So, all of that. Oh, thank you so much, Michelle. You're so great. I'm glad we're friends. You. <laughs> um, oh, my God. you blessed
1: me so often. I mean, I'm so blessed by our friendship. Oh,
0: thank you. Um, So, <laughs> please plug your things. Plug us. Tell us what you do. Do you have classes? Do you offer readings? Like, what? Tell us all the tea and how we can reach you and find you.
1: Okay. Yeah, so um, I do have classes um, online right now. I don't, but I'm gonna be back in the states in the fall. I'm gonna, you know, have more programming. So I do offer spiritual classes around really all of this belonging, tapping into your intuition, working with the nature elements, working with ancestors, all of these ways of, in my opinion, being fully human. Mm. Um, I, I give readings and divinations usually with the Akashic Records. Um, I also offer a limited amount of spiritual mentorship slots. So if you want to take this work a little bit more deeply, then, you know, you can work one-on-one with me for an amount of sessions and just kind of develop your own spiritual practice or, you know, go move through a particular transition that might be very difficult for you. So that's also an option and if people want to check me out i'm i have a website which is evolve the number 2 love.com so wwwevolvetolove.com and then i'm on instagram at @evolvetolove and um, yeah that's a, i'm also on facebook i think it's evolve3love But
0: uh, (laughs) mainly (laughs) I'm on my website and on Instagram. (laughs) Okay, cool. And, of course, all of this will be in the show notes. And I want to say for folks who have had divination with me and it's come up around inner child work, um, because Michelle does the Akashic Records, and, I mean, it pretty much is this open playing field to be able to tap into something, I like to recommend folks to her um, when some inner child stuff comes up to maybe do some, some healing around our our baby selves and our younger selves. Um so mm-hmm. that too. So yeah, it's just unlimited. like I said Michelle is a bomb medium. I met Michelle in I mean well, we met when I was getting a reading in, in Lukumi to see who I, you know, my head orisha was and getting my my stuff. But then I also saw her in medium space and it was just like her and it just my spirits were deeply connected to Michelle's spirits, and I think it was the first Misa that we were in. And for folks who don't know, I know we've been kind of referencing Misa the whole time, but it's the working of, you know, the white table and calling on spirits, our ancestors and spirit guides, and basically working with dead. It's working with the dead. So in Misa space, um, you know, I don't even know if Michelle said much or even I said much, the first misa that I went to with her, but my spirits were just like, "Oh no." you need to connect with this person. If I, if I didn't hear nothing else, if I didn't know nothing else, I didn't get nothing from the meeting people around me getting possessed and all of that. And I was like, my spirits were just like, nah, (laughs) you need to talk to Michelle. So I was just like, okay. (laughs) And vice versa. (laughs) versa. Like You need to know her. So I feel like y'all need to know her too. So that's why it was super important for me to have her on on the show. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for all that you have taught me. Thank you for being my friend and also my spiritual teacher. Thank you for being a medium. Thank you for following your call. Thank you for grounding us in your words and just offering us so much like fresh air. You know, I just feel like you're just a Mm -hmm. breath of fresh air that I needed. And I know a lot of other people needed. So I, I really, really appreciate you. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much. And you too, I just want to also extend my gratitude to you for you teach me so much. I should let you know more often because you kind of constantly inspire me to, to do more, to be greater, to be more outrageous, to be more bold with myself, you know, mm-hmm. and to be more honest and open. Um, you're, I don't know if you guys know this, you probably do, but you're so generous. I mean, you're maybe one of the most generous people that I've, I've ever met in college. Oh across. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I just really, I just want to uplift you thank and you. let you know how much I care and love. I'm so grateful for you, for real. You're, in a, you're a blessing.
0: Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you, Michelle. So, y'all check out Michelle's stuff, follow her on Instagram, and all of that. Get Reach out for a reading. And thank y'all for listening. And thank you so much, Michelle. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of A Little Juju Podcast. I hope you all enjoyed the interview with Michelle. If you would like to reach out to me, if you want to sponsor the show and episode as Be Magical Handmade did, I hope you all go and check those things out and get y'all 15% off your first order with the code Bay. But if you would like to do any of that, you can hit me up on the email at the Bay at gmail.com or you can go to my website it's jujube.com i have a contact form there that is also where you will go to get reiki to if you want to get some reiki from me if you want to schedule a divination an ancestral reading from me all of that happens on my website on the social media pages if you want to find me on instagram i'm at it's jujube i t-s-j-u-j-u-b-a-e and you can also follow a little juju podcast on Instagram, I am Juju Bay. on Facebook. And I'm It's Juju Bay on Twitter. I be cutting up on Twitter. It is not just spiritual stuff. It is just me being a black girl mess. And we stand. Because <laughs> I be needing the space to do that too. But yeah, hit me up. Find me Book a Reading. Get your Reiki. Sponsor a show. Let's connect. Fly me out to your school. All of the great things. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will see y'all in two weeks. And remember, all you need is a little juju. Later.